0: It's called MACRA. You probably have heard the term, but maybe you don't know what it means or you're frightened about what it could mean or how it could impact your practice. Hi, I'm Dr. Brian McDonough, host of Primary Care Today on ReachMD. My guest today is Dr. Katherine Schneider. She is president and CEO of the Delaware Valley Accountable Care Organization, DVACO, and she is someone who has to deal with this, wants to deal with it, and maybe can make some sense of it. So first of all, Dr. Schneider, welcome to the program.
1: Thank you. I'm so happy to be here.
0: My first question is, okay, what is MACRA and should we be afraid of it? Well, it's change, so
1: we shouldn't be afraid of it, but I think being educated about it is really important. MACRA is the federal overhaul of physician payment through Medicare. And it is the law that was passed in 2016 with very broad bipartisan support to replace the much maligned and hated SGR, or the sustainable growth rate formula, which caused all of the patches and the doc fixes and year after year, this kind of kicking the can on how the physician fee schedule would be set. So it really memorializes Medicare's commitment to moving away from a strictly fee-for-service, volume-based payment model for physicians. And they have already been doing this with hospitals, actually, for several years ahead of MACRA, and moving more towards incentives that are based upon value. And there are a couple of different pathways that we can talk about that start to kick in under MACRA, but I think what's most important for people to understand is that this is the most significant change in how physicians are paid under Medicare in any of our careers. And as I'm sure you know, and your audience knows that once Medicare does it, often the commercial payers tend to follow suit. So this is definitely something to pay attention to, and it is being transitioned in. So, you know, all of the fire alarms and warnings that, you know, if you don't do something today, your whole payment system is going to tank tomorrow, that's probably a little bit overblown because these things do get phased in over years. And CMS in particular has really responded to a lot of feedback before putting the final rules into place to make 2017 a very relatively easy
0: transitional year. So right now we're in 2017. What should people be doing?
1: Yeah, well, I think the most important thing and one that's really relevant for this week is knowing which path under MACRA that they are taking in 2017. So, number one, let's just be clear that there are two paths for physicians under MACRA. One is to be in what's called MIPS, which is the Merit-Based Incentive Payment System. It's hard to keep all the letters straight. And the other path is if someone is in an alternative payment model. APM, which takes downside risk. And if you're in an advanced APM, one of these downside risk taking entities, you're probably well aware of that. And it's not really like you have an option in the middle of 17 to say, oh, I'm going to pick that choice because it means that you're part of something in existence like a pioneer or next gen accountable care organization, just as one example. So most physicians will be in the MIPS program. And in fact, there is now a portal that CMS has up where you can go in and actually look up your own physician identifier number and see if you are eligible for MIPS because they did put in some criteria to, for example, exclude physicians that only do a small amount of business with Medicare and so forth. So one thing is just to know which track are you in for 2017, that's the most important thing, because that will drive your fee schedule payment adjustment in 2019. So you won't begin to feel the impact of this until 2019. But as with all these things, it's always on a two-year lag. So very important, you can't kind of in 2019 try to fix it for that year because what you do in 2019 will have impact in 2021.
0: So what should people be doing now, like to prepare for 2019? What sort of things?
1: You should know which track you're in and then understand what you need to do, assuming that you're under MIPS. If you're in an alternative payment model like an ACO, there's probably a lot that 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 entity is doing to assist you. But if you're not, then you should be aware that there are four components of the MIPS program. One of them essentially is the replacement for meaningful use and looks a lot like that. And so one thing that's very important is to not bind to the urban myth that meaningful use has gone away because it hasn't. It has morphed into this new thing called advancing care information, which again, the standards are very, very similar to meaningful use, but the way it's scored is somewhat different. Assuming that you have an electronic medical record, working with your vendor to know how to capture. The reporting for that. Most important thing you can do for this year is report something. Almost anything gets you at least credit and protection from having a negative payment adjustment. So CMS has made it pretty easy to just like report anything for even a short period for 2017 and you'll at least be protected there. If you want to get into more of the upside potential, you know, you want to actually be looking at how you're scoring on these uh, various metrics. So, The technology adoption is one, and working with your EMR vendor on that is is going to be really important. The other piece is the quality reporting, and that is essentially the replacement for the PQRS system of quality reporting. So, picking your measures and being able to, again, at least report something is the most minimum thing, and, and of course, you want to be as high-performing as, as you can. Now, what's good to know is for 2017, you don't have to worry about the cost management and the efficiency measures because they've kicked the can on that and sort Sort of given an auto credit for this year, they're not going to count that for this year. The other thing you should be doing for this year is making sure you know the, the last category, which is the clinical practice improvement activities category. Now, for a primary care physician, the good news is is that this is going to feel more familiar to a lot of primary care physicians than it will for specialists because if you are a patient-centered medical home, whether recognized by NCQA or a variety of other options, that will give you full credit on that whole category of the MIPS program. And if you're not a patient-centered medical home, you've probably been doing some of the other things. And there's a vast menu of essentially it's practice-based quality improvement initiatives, whether it's keeping registries or working on um, care coordination or access to care, actually many of the things that sit within the patient-centered medical home program. So important to be aware of what all of those activities are and have a plan. And again, if you're PCMH recognized, you will get full credit. And even if you've been working on PCMH, you're going to probably be able to get much, if not all credit.
0: I'm Dr. Brian McDonough, host of Primary Care Today on ReachMD. My guest is Dr. Katherine Schneider, president and CEO of the Delaware Valley Accountable Care Association organization. Now, you're with DVACO, obviously. Does that mean you are excluded from MIPS and you're going another path with the ACO, or how does that work?
1: Yeah, so that's a great question. So for physicians that are participating in our ACO, because we don't take downside risk in 2017, we are what's called, and this is really getting into the weeds a little bit, but our physicians are still in the MIPS program. However, it works a little differently for them. So if you're in an ACO, a Medicare ACO, you will get auto credit for the clinical practice improvement activity category. And the quality reporting, you don't need to do because essentially you're already doing it through the ACO. So it's not really that you just get a pass on it, but you're already doing it. So you get credit for the reporting you do through the ACO. What our physicians do still have to do is report on their own those technology adoption, advancing care information measures. And what's important to us as an ACO is that our physicians, even though they may report some of those things individually. They all end up getting the same grade under MIPS. So we're all in it together, which gives us a really strong incentive to be sure that we are helping all of our practices achieve the best possible outcome because their Medicare payments will reflect that in two years. And it starts off with small differences of just a couple percent difference in payment, but it will rapidly over the next couple of years become as large as 26 percent difference between the high Performers
0: the low performers. Now, is that a 26% as primary care people listening or say, is that a 26% off of a base that you're, you're making less than you were now, or is it 26% off of what you theoretically could obtain?
1: Essentially, if you just figure that the Medicare fee schedule is going to remain fairly neutral, they're not going to put much in in the way of increases. And it's it's a losers pay the winners grading on a curve kind of model. So there will be a downward adjustment from sort of that neutral today's Medicare fee schedule. Some people will get a downward adjustment and that money will be used to pay the others who will get an upward adjustment. So the low performers pay the high performers, essentially, is
0: how it's going to work. I'm sure you factored this in. But what happens years down the road? Let's say DVACO is doing really well. And, you know, JMACO isn't everybody joins DVACO. They're all in it then. Then who's paying the difference at that point? Or does Medicare not care?
1: Assuming the model doesn't change, and I'm sure it will change, all of these things get tweaked as they go, but the budget neutrality is really important. So you make a great point that this will make a high-performing ACO much more attractive to be in, because now it's not just around does the ACO get shared savings, right? Right. I think the bigger picture here, though, is that the more successful ACOs are going to want to move into that other pathway fairly quickly, because Medicare is going to be putting and the other payers are going to be putting more and more incentives around providers that are willing to begin to take downside risk. So if you're in that other path of the advanced alternative payment models or APMs, then you're out of MIPS and you just get a lump sum 5% essentially bonus payment every year on your Part B Medicare billings at the physician and practice level.
0: We only have a couple minutes left with Dr. Katherine Schneider. And my question now is, a lot's going on in politics. Congress has voted one way. The Senate's going to look. How does this impact all of this? Could this all go away? Could it change? Will it stay the same? Is it bulletproof?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And we actually have a logo here at the Delaware Valley Accountable Care Organization that says, Stay calm and keep your foot on the gas. You know, I guess under the current environment, I'd never want to say never to anything, but there is clearly broad bipartisan support on this move to value and away from fee-for-service. There is really fairly universal agreement on that. It represents more of a free market-based payment program for providers And it certainly represents the direction that we want to go on improving population health outcomes and really sustaining healthcare access for as many people as possible in our country. I'm never sure anything's bulletproof, but I'm pretty certain that in some way, shape, or form, the skills that primary care physicians need to succeed under, whether it's MACRA, MIPS, APMs, ACOs, whatever, those skills are going to be persistent into the future and very important.
0: It's so funny you say that. I was talking to my residents yesterday, very similar conversation. Well, what do you think? I said, well, if you keep taking care of your patients, you keep worrying about what they're doing at home, consider patient-centered medical home, population health, you do all those things, it doesn't really matter. It's going to work out for you. If you're going to think you could sit back and just uh, prescribe medications and stay there and not even worry about those other areas, you're going to be in trouble. And it was, it's more or less the same message, I think, whatever happens. I think people as they get more involved in their own care too, that will be involved. One last question Dr. Schneider, we, we could talk about everything but is there something I didn't ask you that you wanted to bring up you think is important?
1: Well I think in your last point you really touched on it and that is for primary care docs and I am a family physician myself this is the time for primary care to, you know, again be in the spotlight and taking more control over the outcomes for their patients and really being central in that so that's really good news for primary care but it does require learning new skills, um, somewhat of a different mindset, you know, taking care of your patients beyond just who's sitting in front of you in your office and really thinking about your panel. And, you know, we've thought a lot about quality through programs like PCMH, but we have to become more aware of what's driving cost. And most often that is stuff that outside of the four walls of the primary care office, but that primary care docs can still influence like you know the cost of medications, like the cost of post acute care, skilled nursing, et cetera It's in many ways good news for primary care, but it is new skills and it is change. And in the context of burnout and a lot of other concerns, I'm very optimistic. I think this is a change that we as primary care physicians should be jumping to lead and to really see the benefits to our patients, which is why we went into this field in the first place.
0: Dr. Katherine Schneider is president and CEO of the Delaware Valley Accountable Care Organization. Dr. Schneider, thank you for taking the time to join us on Primary Care Today.
1: My pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: This is Dr. Brian McDonough. If you missed any of this discussion, please visit reachmd.com slash today. You can download the podcast. You can learn more about the series. Thank you for listening and being a part of the knowledge.